0: For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, for Zion's sake, I'll not hold my peace. Welcome to For Zion's Sake. believers strengthened in their faith and for their Jewish kinsmen to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God.
1: Bless the Lord and welcome to For Zion's Sake. My name is Shelley Volk and it's a delight to be with you. If you were with us earlier this week, you know we're going through the book of Esther which really inaugurated the Feast of Purim. And this takes, the story of Esther takes place in about 470 BC in the land of Persia, which is the modern day Iran. And we know that Persia was an enemy of Israel then, and Iran is an enemy of the people Israel today. In chapter one, we saw that after 180 days of a feast that King Ahasuerus conducted, he added another feast to it for seven days in which he invited his wife to come and display her beauty. And because she refused, the king wanted another queen. And in chapter 2, we saw that all the young virgins in the land were brought in so the king could select a new queen. And in chapter 2, as we read yesterday, it says in chapter, chapter 2, verse 5, Now there was a Jew in Susa, the capital, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shemai, a son a Benjamite. And he brought with him his young virgins a cousin whose name was esther a beautiful young lady and she was one of the women that was brought into the harem to you might say to audition to be the new queen and as the lord would have it because he is a sovereign working god esther was chosen to be the queen because the king as it says in verse 17 in chapter 2 loved esther more than all the other women and there's a proverb, specifically chapter 21, verse 1, that says, The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. And then at the end of the chapter, we saw that Mordecai, in chapter verse 21, it says, In those days while Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's officials, from those who guarded the door, became angry and sought to lay hands on the king. Well, Mordecai overheard this plot And these two men were brought in and hung on the gallows because they attempted to kill the king. Now let's launch into chapter 3 in the book of Esther. After these events, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agagite, and advanced him and established his authority over all the princes who were with him. So Haman was like the uh, prime minister. It says, All the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai neither bowed down nor paid homage. We need to remember that Mordecai was a Jewish man out of the tribe of Benjamin, and he was not going to bow down or pay homage to anybody but the king of Israel. Verse 3, Then the king's servants who were at the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why are you transgressing the king's command? Now it was when they had spoken daily to him, and he would not listen to them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's reason would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai neither bowed down nor paid homage to him, Haman was filled with rage. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him who the people of Mordecai were. Therefore, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, who were throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. In the first month, which is the month of Nisan, this is in the Hebrew calendar, in the twelfth year of King Ahasuerus, Pur, P-U-R, that is the Lot, was cast before Haman from day to day, and from month to month, until the twelfth month, that is the month Adar, So what was going on was they chose lots, which in Hebrew is the the word pur, P-U-R. And that's where we get the feast Purim, P-U-R-I-M. Purim is lots. Whenever there's a Hebrew word that ends in the sounding of Im, it's the plural of the singular. That's where we get the name Purim. And they chose lots and they were going to destroy all the Jewish people in the land on the 14th day in the month of Adar, which was the 12th month. And then we come to a very significant verse, which has an incredible application for us today. I'm looking at verse 8 in chapter 3. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, there is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of all other people, and they do not observe the king's laws, so it is not in the king's interest to let them remain. And going into verse 9, we read this. If it is pleasing to the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who carry on the king's business to put in the king's treasuries. So let's stop here and realize what is going on. Haman went to the king, and here's what he said. There is a certain people scattered and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom, their laws are, their laws, L-A-W-S, are different from those of all other people, and they do not observe the king's laws, so it is not in the king's interest to let them remain. This is a powerful portion of scripture, and I want to bring it into uh, our thinking today. The Jewish people were not called to be part of the nations. In fact, and it's going to be ultimately fulfilled, they have been called to be a blessing to all the nations. They are God's chosen people. The people of Israel are the apple of God's eyes, and they were not to be part of the world system that existed then. But the church today, made up of Jew and Gentile believers, are not supposed to be part of the world system either. The word of God speaks in the in the first epistle of John. Love not the world or the things of the world. So just as Israel was called to be a separated people unto God, so is the church today to be a separated people of God as well. To be a witness that we serve a living God. Now, let's look at that verse a little closer. It says, "There are dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. their laws are different from those of all other people. You know, for the most part, when the word law is used, except in the book of of Esther and perhaps in uh, rare instances, the normal word for law is torah t o r a h And when this law is spoken of, it's spoken about the law that was given on Mount Sinai to Moses for the Jewish people. That includes the Ten Commandments, and actually that word Torah in Hebrew means instruction. So the people of God were instructed by God on Mount Sinai. But interestingly, the word used here, their laws are different from those of all other people, It doesn't, it is not Torah, it's a Hebrew word, uh, dot. If I'd spell it uh, phonetically, it would be D A W T. And uh, this, it has the implication that it's a commandment, but it has more to do with the manner of life. In other words, the way people live by obedience to the word of God, but it doesn't mean the law given at Mount Sinai. Again, it means more of the manner, a lifestyle that's being demonstrated. And here's the thing for Mordecai and Esther, who were, of course, Jews, among all the other Jews that were in the land of Persia, which was a, an extensive kingdom, it says in um, chapter 1, it extended from Ethiopia Ethiopia to India and contained 127 provinces. So there were many, thousands and thousands of Jewish people in the land of Persia. But isn't it interesting that um, Haman recognized the fact that they lived in another manner than the rest of the people in Persia. Now this is a distinguishing factor and it says in Exodus 33 that the distinguishing factor of the Jewish people back in that time was that the presence of the Lord was with them. And you know my brothers and sisters that should be the distinguishing factor of you and I born-again believers both from Jewish and Gentile backgrounds living in another manner of life that would be easily recognizable and what happened to Israel has happened to the church and is happening more and more in these the final days we have become assimilated and there's not a distinguishing factor about us in fact how can we know the difference between people who love the Lord and people who don't and it's sad to say that it's very hard to distinguish us and this is a word for today especially in these last days Are we living by another manner of life than the rest of the people who do not know the Lord? And unfortunately, so many in the church are just living a kind of secular lifestyle rather than living for the glory of God, being separated unto him. I remember as a young believer, we used to pray, Lord, keep the world out of the church. And now my prayer is, Lord, how do we get the world out of the church? So I I encourage you that we should live another lifestyle than the rest of the world. All right, let's continue on in chapter 3. Then the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agagite. Remember, Haman was from the Amalekites, and they were enemies of the people of Israel, and he knew that there was power with the Jewish people, yet he wanted to destroy them, just as the people of Iran, at least the president of Iran, wants to destroy all of Israel today. So what happened through the balance of chapter 3 was that an edict was written with a signet ring, which is the stamp of approval from the king that all the Jews on the 14th day of Adar, which was the 12th month and they were in the first month now, would kill all the Jews in the land. In other words, they wanted to wipe out all of Israel and they went to all the cities spoke to the leaders of the cities, of the provinces, and there was an agreement that that would be, that's what would be done to the Jewish people. And it's interesting. We're facing the same kind of issues today when Israel is found in the midst of Arab nations that would want nothing more than to... Um, obliviate all the Jewish people and wipe Israel off the face of the map. So the problems then were really a foreshadowing of what's happening today and what will f- happen further. Yet we know, because this is not just a book about the sovereignty and the, um, uh, what can I say, the providential work of God, but what God promised to Israel is going to be fulfilled. This is also a very prophetic book, because we'll see the end of the matter is better than the beginning Because as we go on, another edict will be formulated and given, which would allow the Jewish people to defend themselves and kill those that wanted to kill them. So I want to encourage you, uh, we can't go verse by verse, but I encourage you to read the book of Esther and study it and see the sovereignty and the providential work of God. And as you get to the conclusion of the book, you'll see that it's a prophetic picture of what is going to happen in the end days when the Antichrist will raise anti-Semitism to such a level that we've never experienced before, even worse than a Holocaust. But God will come and defeat the enemies of Israel, which will welcome the coming of the Messianic Age. So please read this book, and we'll continue with chapter 4 tomorrow. Father, I pray that this has been a blessing to our hearers, and that they will understand the call of God upon the people of Israel for these end days. I pray that in Jesus' holy name.